Hello again. We're going to finish up a passage of scripture we started last week in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21. This is the passage that we're in. We covered a few of those verses last week. Uh, hopefully we'll get to all of those today. Um, I'm assuming you're here because you love the Lord, um, love each other, you want to grow, you want more of Jesus. That's why we uh, do what we do uh, as believers. You uh, want more of the Holy Spirit, uh, hopefully, which I think is some, uh, some of the things that Paul wants to definitely speak to us about today. Who's with me on that? Anybody want more of the Holy Spirit? Would you would you take that if you got it? All right, great. Uh, let's let's hope for that. Let's pray for that. Um, Ephesians chapter five verse twenty one. We're going to jump right into it in our series here. Uh, Look carefully, then how you walk. Paul writes. This is uh, what we said last week was the command that uh, Paul gives us in this passage from verse fifteen. Be very careful then how you live. Look carefully then how you walk. Uh, is the way that he says it, uh, so in, in the ESV. So um, what does that mean? What, what did we say that that meant? That, that to walk, uh, and this is something that he started this theme back in chapter 4 when he told us to, uh, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we had received. And so that's what we're trying to do. That's what Paul's trying to help us with. Uh, and to, to walk very carefully uh, means something done precisely, something done very accurately, something that is a lot of attention is paid to in how it's done is the, uh, the wording here in the Greek. And it, and it can mean strictly, like you have to be disciplined. You have to, to really be uh, on your game to be able to get this done. Okay, it's not a passive approach to life. Uh, it's very intentional to, to strictly walk. Uh, and it suggests in that, if we're going to have to be that way, that there's stuff that's out there that's going to be hard, that, that there's going to be danger in the journey. And if we aren't walking carefully, we're going to walk into that danger. We're going to be led into that danger. And, uh, and those mistakes that we can make by not being careful by, by just realizing, oh, like, why didn't I pay attention to that? Why wasn't I on, on, on my toes with, with what was, was happening? Uh, we, we realize that there are consequences to the choices that we make and the mistakes that we make. And so uh, Paul's saying, you can avoid that by being careful. So uh, that's what we want to do. Um, it's, he follows this command with kind of a three-part explanation of how we're supposed to live in light of that command. And it's uh, not this, but that kind of stuff. So the first one in, uh, in the rest of verse 15 says, not as unwise, but as wise, making the, most, uh, the best use of the time because the days are evil. Spiritual discernment is basically what this comes down to, that we are making good decisions, not unwise, not living as unwise people, but as wise people, making good decisions, not bad decisions, because the time is now, the, time, the days are evil, uh, the, we're in the last days, uh, we know that uh, from, from scripture, we know that uh, we're in the part of the story that has an ending next. Uh, with Jesus coming back. And so there's not like, that's what we're looking forward to. Uh, and and that, that transformation that he will do on the, the heavens and the earth and on us and, uh, for all of eternity. But 
on this earth as we know it now, we're in the last days. And we said last week that we're in our last day. I mean, even if like you don't live to see that on this earth uh, in, that, in, in the same way that someone that would be alive, uh, your, your days are numbered, my days are numbered. Uh, and we don't, we don't know what that looks like. We don't have any promise as to how long that is. Uh, we can talk about life expectancy and what we hope to be able to still accomplish, but uh, as many of you know, that you, you cannot count on that stuff. Uh, we have no guarantees about where our life is. It's in God's hands, and it makes sense to him in a way that it doesn't make sense to us, except for the fact that we, when we really are honest with ourselves and don't try to live uh, in a way that uh, denies that reality, we know, we know we're, we're not promised tomorrow. We know uh, that uh, every, every day is precious and we need to treat it as such and we need to wake up each day uh, and plan and organize and be intentional about how we live and how we walk and how we live out our faith in such a way that is in recognition to that fact. Okay, the second thing he says is to not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. So uh, somewhat different than spiritual discernment, this is about growing in knowledge. So we can't just be ignorant. Uh, there is an opportunity for us to be growing, to not be foolish, to be growing in our understanding of how the Lord wants us to live. And we said that the, the way that we do that primarily is uh, to understand his revealed will, which is the scripture. He has given us his word. His word became flesh and dwelt among us, absolutely. But in that revelation, we have the record, we have the understanding that he wants us to have in the scripture as it's activated by the Holy Spirit. So it's not that we're just supposed to become Bible scholars. That's not the point. Uh, that's, you could be just as big of a fool, if not more of one, uh, by just thinking you got it all figured out because you know scripture. That's not the point. But it, there is an understanding that comes with scripture that the Holy Spirit activates and uses in our life. And so those are the first two things. That, that's what we got to last week. And then this week, we're going to continue on where he says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And he goes on to say how that looks, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's his vision for uh, what living in the power of the Spirit can look like for us. So let's back up to verse 18 and talk about uh, what, this, what this looks like. So how do we walk carefully, make wise decisions, know what God wants from the Scripture, and be full of the Holy Spirit? Do not get drunk with wine, he says, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. It seems like Paul's taken a, a big turn here and gotten like real specific with a, an issue. And if this was a letter like um, Corinthians or, or some other uh, letter that Paul has written that addresses particular things going on with a particular people, we might say, yeah, that, that makes sense. And we can't 
fully know if Paul perhaps like understood that there was something going on there that needed to be addressed regarding drinking. But it seems like that Paul is speaking generally in the way that he has been throughout this text uh, in Ephesians that applies to all believers in the region. And that's why we can so easily apply Ephesians to us because there isn't a lot of like digging into like this is what that church was going through and what that church was dealing with and then how do we translate that to us. This is more about a a, a general letter that's written to an an area in Ephesus that, uh, that he wanted to encourage people in how to live in Christ. And he uses this particular issue to illustrate something. So uh, I think it's interesting um, that, uh, that we refer to alcohol as spirits. Uh, and then Paul is talking about how we are not supposed to get drunk on one kind of spirit, but that there's another kind of spirit that he wants us to basically get drunk on. And so really the rest of what we're gonna talk about is kind of in that light, uh, in, in that context of, of more of the spirit, um, of uh, understanding what the spirit wants from us and understanding what that looks like in our life. Um, Paul's giving what is for them and for us what should be a kind of a contrast to being controlled by one thing, something else, alcohol, being controlled by that, uh, and and uh, and contrasting that with being controlled by the Spirit. Now we're going to take a little side trip, okay? So I just want to make sure we understand that that's that Paul is not writing Ephesians, and Paul is not even writing this passage to specifically address drinking, but. He does say something about it, and it is legitimate. So it's kind of like we're on this path. We're going to the, 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 the right place, the promised land, wherever we're headed. You know, we're just, we're, we're, we know that this is the path we're on. And then there's this little side path, and we see something really interesting and valid, worth looking at, to kind of stop and, and talk about. So that's what we're going to do with drinking for a second, okay? But I don't want to lose you on the big picture, and think that this is just all about drinking. And if you're like, uh, whatever you know, opinions you have about that, uh, let that be, um, uh, this, is, this is something that I think we can still learn from, in other words, in, in light of this passage, even though it's not the main point of the passage. So I didn't wanna miss it. I didn't want uh, to miss the opportunity to, to talk about uh, something that I think is important for us. Uh, Drinking for them as well as for us can illustrate the destructive lifestyle of the culture around us. And when he says debauchery, uh, that that's what getting drunk uh, leads to, uh, he, he means wasteful living. And this would be biblically what we could go back to and look at in the prodigal son in that story, that that he lived in debauchery, that he he went and, and wasted his life for a season, okay? So drinking illustrates that. That's uh, uh, something common uh, as far as a, a contrast that's been used elsewhere in Scripture already. And so Paul's just kind of drawing on some of that. I want to make clear that 
Paul doesn't think, and I don't think, and we don't think, uh, this is probably not news to most of you, but that drinking is, uh, is not a sin. We, we, we believe that. We don't think drinking is, is bad uh, just in and of itself. Like it is not a sin for you to have an alcoholic drink, okay? That is not what the scripture teaches. Now, it may be at any given point, I, I, the, but it's not because of this passage of scripture and there's nothing else in scripture that would lead us to think that we are supposed to be absolutely teetotalers because of what the scripture teaches about that. Um, from a legalistic standpoint, this is, this is bad and this is, this is okay. Uh, so get that out of the way. But I do want to say um, and, and make clear that the scripture does make clear and that we believe that getting drunk is a sin. And so what we've got to wrestle with in this is where in that continuum of drinking being okay and getting drunk, do we cross that line? All right, so that's important. Uh, and I'm not here to tell you what that is. Uh, I think that's something that the Holy Spirit has to tell you and something that we have to work through together. But I do want to say that, that when we choose to drink in community church or otherwise, uh, we are engaging in an exercise of freedom that demands of us a certain level of maturity in Christ. It's not an option for us to, to, to just say, oh, it's not, it's just, it's, it's not a sin, no big deal. No, there's more to it than that that we have to consider. And unfortunately, I, I speak from the, the other side of this uh, in experience. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not ignorant of uh, how this goes down in the church as someone who grew up in the church and made some bad choices, specifically in this area. On this side of it, it's very clear to me, it's very clear that what the scripture teaches to us is that we have to be uh, engaging in this and other things like this uh, that, that are exercises in freedom with maturity. And when we ignore that, that's when we get into trouble, when, when things get messed up for us and for other people. So let me just say this. The greater the abuse of something in the society in which we live or the culture around us, the more careful as a Jesus follower we have to be with it. And the more thought we should give to even engaging in it at all. Now I'm still not saying that it's wrong to engage in it. I'm just saying there's more to it that we have to consider. If we're going to, to be mature believers in how we approach it. And so the greater the abuse in our culture, and there is nothing, no drug uh, more abused and, and creates more havoc in our world, more uh, expense in, in healthcare and, and mental uh, illness and uh, the, the, the way in which uh, money has to be spent on uh, enforcing laws and uh, treating people uh, that are injured. Uh, we just go on and on with the implications for uh, what, what uh, the abuse of alcohol has, has done in our society. 
And many of you know firsthand how that wrecks uh, people's lives. Uh, how that, um, you, you, you maybe have, have been so close to it uh, that you are physically affected by it. Like there are aspects of alcoholism that have been passed down to you, whether uh, the, the, the physical, just engaging with it to begin with, or the emotional and, and mental stress uh, that, that it has caused your family. And so uh, if, if not, you probably know somebody. Uh, and even if you don't know that you know them, the, the, there's probably uh, somebody real close to you that's been affected by this. So we, there, there's no argument, in other words, that, this, it, that alcohol has been abused by our culture. So the bar is pretty high for us as believers when we engage in that exercise of freedom to do it with maturity, to do it uh, in, in the right way. And I would just submit that there, there is a point where you know, uh, probably in retrospect, or somebody around you knows and could speak to that, where you pass or you cross that line and it is impossible for you to walk carefully as Paul commands you to. You're, you've lost your senses. Uh, everything feels good and, and seems okay, uh, whether it's what you're saying or what you're doing. And, and there's no way, like you have, you have really turned yourself over to another spirit that is controlling you to make decisions for you. And that's not okay. That's not how we are supposed to live. Walk carefully is how we're supposed to live. And our judgment can't be impaired by alcohol uh, if we're going to walk carefully. It's got to be impaired, if anything, by the Holy Spirit. So if we drink, we must be extra careful with both the amount that we drink and the occasion that we drink. And I just want to say something about our freedom as community church. I preached a sermon on drinking. It was the entire thing, and I don't even remember what the text was uh, back when we were still over at the school. And at that time in the history of community church, in our uh, way of doing life together, it was like fairly like groundbreaking. Uh, It's a sermon that if I preached today, you'd be going, yeah, sure, yeah, already got that. It was, it was basically helping us to get out of some of the uh, legalism in which we lived uh, approaching this subject and, and, and to live in freedom. Since that time, we have had no problem embracing that freedom. And so I, I think that the, 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 the idea now is not that we need to break free from legalism in this area. It's that we need to come back perhaps, to uh, uh, arrive at a more mature place in how we handle it. And what I mean is that you may be okay with it between you and the Lord, perfectly fine. Uh, There may even be some people close to you, around you, maybe it's your comm group or whatever, however you're engaging in a party, whatever, and, and, and they understand where you're coming from, and they're like in it with you in a way that is healthy and they're going to be able to hold you accountable if you go off the rails with it. Uh, but there's also the aspect of how we um, communicate that freedom and the use of it to other people. 
that might not have access to some of that information already when they come into us, uh, when, the, when they're at a party or, or, or whatever with us. And we need to be extra careful with those people because we don't know their story. In fact, we have had people, people have come to me that are no longer here specifically because of this issue. Now, I'm not saying that should have led them to not stay with us, but it was very difficult because of the history of alcoholism that they had in their family, because of the way that the, this had been abused, and, and they couldn't make sense of it for what they were seeing, and there just wasn't an, enough conversation. So we need to be extra careful about explanation, about making sure that everybody understands, and the weaker brother argument definitely uh, uh, applies here in that we give up our freedom sometimes just so that people can uh, connect with us and without that barrier and can connect with the Lord, okay? So that's what I got. If you got more questions about that or if you, if you think, oh, we need to talk about this some more, like, or were you talking about this? Or like, uh, yeah, let's have those discussions. But I think let's be extra careful is what I'm, what I'm saying. And, and we may need some better policies on that uh, kind of church-wide because when new people come in, there's nothing that they got, you know, like this is how they just might assume that, oh, you're, maybe you're a really fun person and you're not drunk, but they see a drink in your hand and they see how you're acting and they think that that's what's going on. And so we don't, we want to be careful how we send various messages. All right. So again, not the point of what we're talking about today. So what happens when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? Because that's Paul's point, to be filled with the Spirit. This is one of the most important themes in all of Paul's teachings. I mean, this is what he's majoring on in his theology, is being filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what controls the Jesus follower. It's what seals us. It's what marks us. And, and we're controlled by him. Uh, he is what fills us. He's the, he's the thing that we are to be filled with. And he's the thing filling it, us. Does that make sense? So he's both. He's, he's the one pouring it. And he's the one being poured into us. And so we're getting a double dose of being filled with the Holy Spirit in this idea that Paul is preaching here. Um, and, but we have an active role. He's, he's doing those things for sure, but we play an active part in it. Uh, we've got to put ourselves in position. We've got to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. And this is for the whole church. This is not just for us as individuals as we relate to the Holy Spirit. This is, Paul is preaching and, and teaching co to a communal uh, ethic here that we are all supposed to be doing this. And he says that we're to be doing it continually, that we are to keep being filled. It's not just a one-time deal. So what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? Or another way to say it is these are three ways that we can measure our obedience to that command to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it is an active thing. It is something we're supposed to do. It's, it's how we use our time. That's on us. It's how we make ourselves available to the work of the Holy Spirit. That's on us. It's how we engage our minds in uh, his truth and, and allow it to transform us. That's on us. And we don't need to be afraid of like any kind of works-based theology here. The scripture is not afraid of that. 
James talks about faith that was active along with his works when he's speaking of Abraham. Faith that was active along with his works together. So it's not just what the Holy Spirit's doing, big part of it. We can't do it without, but we have to be engaged. Being filled with the Spirit is not about having a bunch of charismatic experiences either, necessarily. It's interesting that the text doesn't point to those things that we traditionally might think of as uh, spiritual like manifestations. The text points to singing, thankfulness, and submission. And so that's what we're going to look at. The first thing, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we want to worship together. the first thing that happens to us. When, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we want to worship together. It's, it really, it's like a drug, which is what alcohol is. So it, it makes, the whole metaphor makes sense. We, we should want more of that. Like we should look forward to this time each week. It should be the highlight of our week to gather with other believers to call on the name of Jesus and worship him together. Look at what he says uh, in, I don't have it on here, but uh, if you've got your scripture, um, verse um, 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's what we should be doing in worship. Now, it's interesting that the first thing he says is about us talking to each other in worship. And that's why you probably heard me say before, it's like, uh, this is great for you to have a spiritual experience with the Lord, but this isn't, all, this isn't just for you to come into a room with a bunch of other people and close your eyes and wall off everybody else. We're doing this together. In fact, it's more appropriate that we look around and that we be encouraged and inspired by what somebody else is singing. Because there are words that you sing when I know what's going on in your life and I see you singing those things and I see you lifting your hands that encourage my spirit greatly when I don't feel like worshiping. And I think if they can worship in the midst of that, surely I can worship right now. And I've got those same things and we, that's how we help each other and that's why we do it together. And so this is a collective thing. We, we speak these things, we sing these things to each other. And that also carries forth outside of this time where we uh, are, are not singing to each other. I don't want to turn life into a musical. I hate musicals anyway. Uh, but um, yeah, <laughs> just people don't sing to each other very often. Like you don't just break out into song in real life. And, and I mean, maybe some of you do. The oldies do that all the time. I know. <laughs> Somebody with a liar just follows Josh around in case he's ready for a song. Um, but uh, you don't have to do that, but you might like send somebody a song and say, hey, I thought of you when I heard this. Was, uh, the Lord spoke to me and, on your behalf uh, and, and I wanted to share this with you. Uh, you might have a scripture, a psalm, uh, or, a, or, or something that's come out of your worship that you just want to share with other people. That's appropriate. But uh, as far as us coming together, just singing together and doing it together is important. And our heart 
So there's two, there's two audiences uh, for our heart, one each other, and then of course Jesus, so we're singing to Jesus. But our heart, it doesn't have to be just about our emotions, like it's not just how we feel, that's not what he's talking about here. Um, the emotion's part of it, I mean, singing is emotional, and, and our heart should be engaged, and, and singing offers us an opportunity to engage with the Spirit in a way that we just can't any other way. Really, I think, I think that's what the scripture is teaching us, that, that there are things that can be expressed in song in a way that just kind of sums up some of what's going on in us. It's, it's kind of akin, it's one step removed from the, the, the spiritual groanings that we can't even understand. But sometimes, you know what I'm talking about, if you've really like had a worship experience recently with the Lord, it's like you didn't pick that song and you didn't know we were gonna sing that next line, but when it hit and when you sang it and when it connected with your heart, it connected with your spirit in such a way where you, you know that you and the Lord were, were together on that, that you were tracking. And, and so uh, you couldn't have thought that up any other way. That, that experience couldn't have come any other way. And so it is emotional, but it starts with an experience of Jesus. It starts with an understanding and an experience of who he is and what he's done in our life. Um, being spirit-filled causes us to sing. It's not necessarily the result of our singing. So we don't like drum it up because we're singing. It causes us to sing. It moves us to sing. Okay, so... That's the first thing. When we're filled with the Spirit, uh, we want to worship together, and we become more thankful. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always, continually, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 1.21 basically tells us that, that not giving thanks is at the core of all sin. Not giving thanks is at the core of all sin. Think about that for a second in your life. Not living as thankful people is at the core of our sinfulness. This is a pretty big deal as well um, from a Christological perspective of, of like theology about Jesus. And because these, these people are new on the scene to the whole Jesus following thing. And, and they are giving thanks to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They have already in this early church been able to understand the uh, completeness of God in Jesus Christ. Like he's not separate. He's not something that just has motivated them uh, or been an example for them to follow God. They see him as God. So just an a, a important theological point there. And this may be the most important thing that we do as believers, as Jesus followers. May be the most important thing that we do in our relationship with the Lord is to be thankful people. It transforms us. It changes us when we are thankful. We can't be bitter. We can't be spiteful. We can't be unforgiving at the same time as being thankful. Try it. I dare you this week to try to be thankful and to be a jerk at the same time toward something or somebody, uh, to be bitter, to be spiteful, to be unforgiving uh, toward someone. Be thankful. It will transform you. It will transform us. 
All right. And then on to verse 21. Verse 21 is an interesting verse because in the ESV, they put it with this passage. You'll look at in other, ver- uh, other versions of the scripture. They'll put it with the next passage of scripture. Some versions will even, they're like, we just don't know. We're just going to put it by itself. Uh, it fits. It's appropriate that it is with this passage. And really, everything that he's talking about is in light of this. But it's also, uh, it fits with the next passage of scripture that we're going to talk about next week uh, when we get into wives and husbands. Uh, and then uh, on into uh, how we relate just in, in various ways in family life. But what does it mean for us today? Uh, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit means to arrange ourselves under some, someone. To arrange ourselves under. So look at what's happening. Submit is, I mean, it's like a, a bad word, like uh, especially in our culture. We don't want to submit to any authority. We don't like authority anymore. We're, we're skeptical of authority. We're distrustful of authority. And so when you, when you start talking about submitting to authority, it's like, no, it's, no I got to be on guard against authority. Uh, that's not what we're, we're talking about here. We're talking about a kind of mutual submission that you are in control of and you say, it is right for me to put myself under that person or that authority. We've already done it. Everyone in here that's a Jesus follower has already done that. So it's not like a new concept. You've already submitted yourself to the lordship of Jesus. You've said, I'm not God of my life. I'm not Lord of my life. I have stepped down from that place and given that place to its rightful owner, Jesus Christ. And so you've already exercised some of those muscles. So let's just keep doing it in the way that Paul wants us to. Consistent with what he said to the Philippian church, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. One theologian said this way, Christians are called to live in mutual submission, and without mutual submission, they cannot fulfill their destiny. In other words, if we're not going to submit, if we're not going to learn what this means and practice it and do it, then we're never going anywhere else. You will not be a mature Christian ever without understanding and living out mutual submission in the body of Christ, period. Just do something else. Like, because you, you're, you're pressing hold, you're pressing pause. If, if you're not gonna pursue that, if you're not gonna try that, uh, we, won't, we won't get it. Such submission is a strong and free act. It's not a It's not something that we're passively um, just like being made to do. It's a strong and a free act of our will based on the real love that we have for another person in Christ, our brothers and sisters. It's illogical apart from Christ, but because we've already submitted to Christ, we understand it, at least can get our heads around it. And so seeing others in light of the immense worth that they have in God allows us to be submissive to that, to to the Lord's work in them. And this is stronger than any kind of equality because in in an effort at equality, they're still like fighting for our rights and there's no battle for rights. We give up our rights when we live in mutual submission and we choose to build up and support one another instead. 
Uh, we're going to talk about this next week, but this is like transformative to your relationships, your marriages, your parenting, your friendships. It's the, it's the way God designed it, and it, it seems crazy on the front end, but it makes perfect sense. It's impossible for us to have biblical, biblical community without it. But even when there's a need to seek justice, and there will be, and, and, and so that doesn't mean we just like let stuff happen. Uh, even when we're seeking justice, we have to be motivated by love for one another. So it can't just be like, I'm going to get you. Uh, it's it's got to be, I love you. And that's why this matters. That's why we have to talk about it. That's why we have to address this. So we have to arrange ourselves under one another. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree, which we don't and won't, uh, but it means we have a greater responsibility to, uh, to seek unity. Paul's already talked about that and, and to work at this and to get better at it. Um, it also means that people of privilege, um, whether it's men, whether it's white people, whether it's people with money, people with on that side of privilege have a greater responsibility to address this as well because of the implications and how that plays out. All right, and uh, then finally, um, it needs to be based in the reverence of Jesus, out of the reverence for Christ. That's why we do it. It's the context that we do it in. Uh, Because we know that we're not God, and he is, and he wants it done this way. And so we have this reverence that we live in, in the context of uh, with all of our life. And so we want to, to please him in this way. Uh, this is reverent to Christ. All right. So closing up, uh, servers, you can go get the, uh, the communion stuff and be ready for that. I just want to make a couple of points of application, what we can apply this week to our lives. The first thing is to, we need to receive Receive the Holy Spirit, make a conscious decision right now to open your heart and your mind to what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do in you, wants to do through you, wants to do with you. Put yourself in the way of the Holy Spirit. Get, get caught up in his way. Receive from him. The next thing we need to do is repent. We need to turn away from anything, whether it's alcohol or anything else, that has occasionally or repeatedly had some kind of control that we've handed over that control to, to some part of our life. We need to repent of those things. Third, we need to worship. We need to make worshiping together a priority this week. I am literally preaching to the choir right now, okay? You guys are here to do that. Be here next week to do that. Make it a commitment uh, that this is what we do. This is what we look forward to. Uh, get your people here with you to do it together. We need to worship together. Be thankful is the next thing for something every day. Find a way to remind yourself when you wake up, the first thing you do is to thank God for something. Put some kind of reminder uh, on your phone, on uh, a note card, something to, to remind you to be thankful for at least one thing early in the morning so that you set your day in motion with thanksgiving. His mercies are new each morning. Be thankful for at least one of them. They are plural. You can find one to be thankful for. And then finally, submit. Let that word, as countercultural as it is, ring in your mind this week. Submit, submit. What do you mean by that, God? What is that supposed to look like in my life? Choose to relate to one another in holy submission. 
Think about the feelings and the struggles and the needs of other people first before you think about yourselves. Let's receive from the Holy Spirit in this moment of communion all these things, all these truths, because he wants to do a new work in us. Guys, you can come on. We just got two. Uh, they're both gluten-free, so you can go either direction. Jesus, we thank you uh, for your truth. We thank you for your love. We thank you for caring for us, um, dying for us, sending your Holy Spirit to be with us. And we right now get in touch with all that in a fresh new way and as a reminder of your goodness and your mercy and the way in which you want us to live this week. Amen. Come and receive.